reading in verse number one. And uh, I'm going to start something tonight that I, I don't think that I've done since I've been here. Something I love to do and uh, been able to do it several times down through the years. But uh, I love to take a book of the Bible and just preach it verse by verse, line upon line, precept upon precept. And I want to start that tonight here in the book of Jude. And I hope you'll bear with me. Let me say this quickly. Uh, is something that will help you in your study to be able to break down a, a book of the Bible, to do it verse by verse, line upon line, precept upon precept. Uh, it's something that I love to do preaching-wise, uh, but it's also something that will help you a lot in your study uh, to be able to, it'll help you to be able to under, get a better understanding, and it keeps a guard upon you in some ways. It's easy, especially teachers and preachers, to come in and take a text and uh take that haphazardly, I guess you could say, and run different ways. But when you do it verse by verse and line upon line, uh, it keeps a guard around you that keeps you uh, within the confines of the context, and uh, it'd be a help to you tonight. Uh, I hope you'll bear with me. Jude's a short book. It'll probably won't take us uh, maybe much more. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm probably estimating we'll probably be in the book of Jude for about a year. Uh, it won't be too long. Uh, but uh, it's about 25 verses. I'd say maybe we might get a little bit done quicker than that, uh, but I'd say it'd be about a year probably. Uh, that's doing it one night a week. Uh, I'd say it'd probably take us about a year to get through it. So you bear with me. I hope we learn something together. Uh, I've never done it. With, I've never done a message like this through the book of Jude. Uh, I have other books, not the book of Jude, but I'm looking forward to what the Lord showed me uh, already. Looking forward to getting to several places, be able to show you some things. Uh, but when you find your places there in the book of Jude, stand with me tonight if you can't enable. Uh, I just want to deal tonight with verse number one. I want to try to get through verse number one. Uh, we may not be able to make it all the way through tonight, uh, but I'd love to give you just a little bit of background information, a little bit of information about the book of Jude, and then cover verse number one. Uh, but let's read, let's read down to about verse number seven tonight uh, just to get a little bit of an understanding. The Bible said Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Verse 2, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of, of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 5, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels, but kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. He hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness and the judgment of the great day. Verse 7, the Bible said, Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication, going after strange flesh, are set forth, 
for an example, suffering the vengeance uh, of eternal fire. Now, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I still love you. Lord, I'm thankful for the privilege, God, the honor to be able to come back in your house today. Lord, I thank you for your grace and your mercy that you show us day to day. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for each one that's made their way out tonight. Lord, I pray that, Lord, no doubt there's many requests, no doubt there's many burdens. Lord, I realize there's many needs upon hearts tonight. Lord, I pray that we'd have your willing way in each and every one. Do that that only you can. Lord, I pray you'd help us tonight as we study your word together. Lord, I pray you'd help us take the truths of the word of God. Lord, apply them to our hearts and lives. I pray you'd give us spiritual insight. Give us wisdom. Give us knowledge tonight as we look into your word. Lord, I pray you'd help me put a guard upon my lips, having to say nothing. Lord, that be contrary to your will or your word. Lord, I pray just for a little while, would you give me unction, give me utterance that only comes from you. We'll be careful tonight to give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. For we ask it in Jesus' wonderful name, amen, and amen. You be seated, and thank you for standing tonight. Now, verse number one, the Bible said, Jude, uh, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, uh, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ uh, and called mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Now, we come, we realize that we've come to the epistle of Jude. Now, all that means tonight is that uh, it's the letter that Jude uh, wrote. In fact, the Bible tells us who he wrote it to. Uh, he said that he, he said, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. So he's writing a letter or an epistle tonight to the church. He's writing to those that are saved by the grace of God. In fact, he tells us why that he's writing in verse number 5. The Bible said, I will therefore put you in remembrance. So he said, I'm writing to the church, and there's something that I want you to remember. Though ye once knew this. He said, there's something you once knew that now you've forgotten. There's something that you've let slip away. There's something that... Uh, you've begun to let fade from your life. Uh, and this is what it is. How that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt. Now notice what he said. Uh, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, uh, afterward destroyed them uh, that believed not. So the same ones uh, uh, that he brought out of Egypt, uh, uh, Leona the Bible said he also destroyed uh, uh, Brother Christopher their lack of belief. Now, that's not saying you can lose your salvation, by the way. Uh, what, Jane, what Jude is dealing with here in, in this book, in this epistle, is apostasy. He's dealing with apostates within the faith, within the church, those that have become apostates. Now let me say this, by, by way of introduction, I'm going I'm to preach through verse 1, and we'll do our best to go to the house. The Bible said, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ, and called. Now, the epistle of Jude, which, by the way, is one of the smallest books in your Bible. It's only 25 verses. That's all that it is. And I'm going to ask you to do something for me, all right? Uh, I don't know how long. I honestly believe it'll probably take us about a year. 
And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. It's not anything major, not anything uh, that will take you a long amount of time. Uh, but I'm going to ask you, however long we're in, in the book of Jude, uh, I'm going to ask you to read it at least once a week, all right? Now, I read it four or five times this afternoon sitting in my study. It will take you about five minutes, if you're a slow reader, to read through the book of Jude. doesn't take that long, so read it at least once a week. I want us to get our hearts familiar with it. There's some great truths uh, within the book of Jude. It'll help you to hide his word in your heart. Isn't that right? So uh, read it at least a week. Do repetitious reading and just take you a few minutes and it'll be a help to you. It's only 25 verses. Now the reason that I, I, I want to look at the book of Jude is this. It's almost, if you would, if you know anything about your Bible, and I'm sure most of you uh, do know this, if you'll just flip over a page, you begin the revelation. Isn't that right? You're in the book of Revelation. Now, uh, we realize that's dealing with things that are to come. That's dealing with things that uh, will come hereafter. And Jude is an introduction uh, uh, to the book of Revelation. It's the vestibule, if you would. You say, preacher, what do you mean? Well, when you come into the church, uh, uh, the main thing that you're coming for is the sanctuary. Isn't that right? That's where you come together. But before you can get there, you You've got to come through the vestibule. There's an entrance way that prepares you, if you would, uh, how to enter into the sanctuary. That's what the book of Jude is. It's an entrance way that prepares you uh, for the book of Revelation. So uh, it's the introduction, if you would, to the book of Revelation. The theme of the epistle is apostasy. Now, apostasy simply means this. A willing falling away from or rebellion against one's faith. It deals with those that willingly turn away from their faith. Now, I'll be honest with you. I've been in this thing. I know I'm fairly young, and uh, but surely I've been in this thing for, I've been saved for almost 20 years, and I've been in this thing a pretty good while. I, I've been around church my whole life, uh, and I'll just be honest with you. I've never seen such a falling away uh, as what we live in today. I've never seen... Uh, of such a lack of interest and a willing departure from the things of God as we see today. I, I realize tonight there's some that uh, I, I'm not being critical at all. I realize there are some uh, that have a fear of this coronavirus. I'm not being critical. I realize that. I realize there's people that fear it. They, uh, they're high risk. They fear for their own safety. They fear for their own health. And I'm not being critical of that at all. And the reason why is uh, uh, those people are doing everything they can uh, uh, in every aspect of their life not to get around anybody. Isn't that right? Uh, uh, but then I'm also aware tonight that there are some that are just looking for an excuse not to have to come to the house of God. They're just looking for, it doesn't bother them to go to Walmart, it doesn't bother them to go fishing, uh, it doesn't bother them to go to the lake, it doesn't bother them to go to a ball game, uh, it doesn't bother them to do anything else. Uh, it doesn't bother, somebody ought to nod your head to say it, man. You say, preacher, what is that? It's apostasy. Uh, it's a willing walking away and rebellion uh, from your faith. Uh, it breaks my heart tonight. I think of about four men right off the top of my head that were godly men. I believe they were saved. Uh, they had an impact on my life and tonight they're completely out of church. Tonight they have nothing to do with the things of God. Uh, tonight they have, they're not rearing their children in the, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. They're not attending anywhere. Uh, they're not going anywhere. They're not doing anything for the Lord. Uh, that is apostasy. That's what that is. Uh, 
I, I, I saw, I believe it might have been Jessica posted this, might not have been, I don't know, but uh, somebody posted something on Facebook, said the danger of missing church is sooner or later you won't miss it anymore. What about that? Isn't that true? There's a danger tonight. Uh, it's apostasy. It's a willing uh, uh, turning away or rebellion uh, uh, from your faith. Uh, uh, so that's what Jude is dealing with here in this epistle. Uh, now Jude was writing to warn of the apostasy that he saw in his time. That's what he was writing about. He said, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this. Now Jude was living in a day, Brother Chris, where the apostles uh, were still alive. There were still men that literally uh, saw the Lord uh, uh, ascend into heaven. Uh, and already, Leona, there was some that uh, Jude saw such a need of apostasy uh, that he wrote an epistle to remind people uh, uh, that just because you're saved doesn't mean you can live any way you want to. Uh, uh, just because you're saved doesn't mean that uh, you just throw caution to the wind and quit. Uh, uh, so he wrote this epistle concerning apostasy in his time. Now if it was needed in his time, how much more do you reckon that it's needed in mine in your time? Uh, uh, if Jude saw it bad enough that he wrote a letter uh, uh, to remind people of what the Lord had done and remind them uh, that they were to be living for the Lord, I uh, uh, wonder how much more needful it is in our time. Uh, there's a principle when you study prophecy that uh, uh, I'm going to paraphrase it but it simply says this that uh, sometimes a prophecy has a twofold uh, uh, fulfillment. Now what I mean by that is this sometimes the Lord would take a prophecy, Jessica, and he would use that in the life and the time and the community and the culture of the prophet uh, uh, to bring the people back unto himself. He would use that prophecy uh, to bring a repentance, uh, uh, to bring a return of the people back unto himself. But then later, that was a fulfillment of that prophecy. There would be a small event that the people would regather and they would repent and return back to the Lord. Uh, but then later, and in, in, into the future, that prophecy would be fulfilled in entirety. I believe that's the same principle tonight when seeing the book of Jude. I, I believe that God used the epistle of Jude to uh, bring some of the early Christians back into himself. Uh, I believe he used it to deal with the apostasy uh, of Jude's day. Uh, uh, but I also believe that uh, we're living in the day that God really intended. Uh, uh, the book of Jude is the segue into the end times. The book of Jude is a segue into the book of Revelation. Uh, Jude is the segue or the entrance way, if you would, uh, into the things which are to come, the things which will be hereafter. Uh, that's the segue in. Uh, and I believe that God allowed Jude, by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, uh, uh, to pin down an epistle uh, uh, for those that are living in the last days. Now, you say, preacher, do you think we're living in the last days? Uh, uh, not necessarily. I believe we're living in the last minute of the last seconds of the last days. Uh, I, I believe it could come back just any minute, don't you? Uh, so I believe it would do us good uh, uh, to see the truths within this small epistle. Uh, now let me say it like this. Let me say that uh, we must realize that the epistle of Jude is the last warning of God before the rapture takes place 
And the church is called to be with the Lord. Do you realize that? This is the last thing. This is the last war. I know, I know the first three chapters of the book of Revelation deal with the church age. I know that. But this is the last real warning of God. And then the church is gone. Do you realize that? The, the sign of the last days is a great falling away. It is things waxing worse and worse. I, I, Go ahead and nod yet. I hate that we're living where we do. I, I, I hate the things that are happening are happening. Uh, uh, but I don't be hospital tonight. Uh, surely there's something on the inside of me begins to bowl up when I get to looking at where we're at. Uh, uh, because I realize, wrong. it could just be any day uh, until the Lord comes back. And I say, glad, glad day. Uh, I'll say like John said, uh, even so come quickly. Isn't that right? Uh, uh, thank God tonight we're living uh, in the last days. Uh, and Jude wrote this little epistle to remind us uh, uh, that while we are living in the last days, uh, uh, there are some standards and there are some things uh, uh, that we are to be keeping tonight. Now, uh, I, that'll be my introduction. I may come back and hit a little bit more uh, in the weeks to come, but I, I believe that'll get us to where we need to get tonight uh, to understand a little bit about this epistle. Uh, but notice with me in verse number one, notice with me the salutation. Notice how Jude introduces himself uh, in verse number one. The Bible said, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James. Now, he wastes no time like most of the other epistles to uh, immediately, <coughs> excuse me, reveal unto us who it is uh, uh, that's writing this epistle. Now, I will tell you this, Jude is a controversial book. There's a group of men that uh, say that Jude ought not even be in your Bible. They say that it, uh, he contradicts Paul. And we'll deal with some of that uh, a little bit later. Let me say this, that Bible has no contradictions. I, uh, if you remember several months ago well, during hermeneutics when we were going through that, I, I told you if you think you found a contradiction, you're wrong, not the Bible. Isn't that right? Uh, that Bible is infallible. It is perfect. It is an errant. It is inspired by God uh, and there are no contradictions but it is a disputed book many say it shouldn't even be in your Bible uh, uh, many uh, don't like the claims that are in the book of Jude uh, uh, and many uh, dispute about who it is that wrote the book of Jude now I think we can all agree tonight uh, that a fellow by the name of Jude wrote the book. I mean, I believe we can agree with that. But uh, there's several within the New Testament that uh, could have possibly wrote it. But I, I hope tonight to show you uh, and give you an understanding of who it is that wrote it. It's important tonight uh, to understand this. The name Jude uh, is the same thing. It's, it's shortened, if you would. It's shorthand uh, for the name Judas. Uh, now we know tonight that, uh, well let me say this before I say that, uh, Jude or Judas is the Greek form of the Hebrew name Judah. Now you remember that Judah uh, means he shall be praised. That's, that's what this gentleman's name is, Jude or Judas uh, is the Greek form of the name Judah. Uh, so now we realize a little bit more about him. We realize that uh, uh, we're also looking at, uh, it's not just that we're looking for somebody named Jude, but we realize it's the shorthand 
uh, for the name Judas. Uh, uh, so now we know tonight that Jesus had two disciples uh, uh, by the name of Judas. Of course, we know one that was uh, very prevalent within the gospel story, uh, Judas Iscariot. Now I think we can all safely say tonight that Judas Iscariot did not write this epistle. Can, can we agree with that? Uh, we know the story how he betrayed Jesus and the Bible said that uh, he took the 30 pieces of silver, took it back, and uh, they bought the field. Uh, we know all that. And the Bible said he went out and hanged himself. Uh, and the Bible said he went to his place. Now, uh, there's a lot of preaching right there. There's a lot of speculation. But uh, there was apparently a special place uh, reserved for Judas. But So we agree that's not the Judas we're talking about tonight. Uh, but the author here in the book of Jude uh, uh, gives us another piece of the puzzle. He gives us something he's careful tonight to let us know that he's also the brother of James. Watch what your Bible said. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and, the bro and brother of James. Now, there's many tonight I've been honest with that say he is the apostle Judas. He's the other Judas that walked with Jesus and, 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 the, and that was there with Jesus and saw him ascend. Uh, uh, they say that's who he is. Now, uh, it may be, uh, uh, there's men smarter than I am that claim that, and that may be true, but that is not my opinion. I believe I'm proof to you, uh, taking the word of God, that it's not. Now, let me ask you this. Every other apostle that wrote an epistle signed it like this. Paul, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul always made it known that he was an apostle. Now, Jude, Jude did not do that. He said, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James. Now, James was an apostle. He did not, the, 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 the apostle uh, Judas did have a brother by the name of James, and, uh, but he would not have referred to himself uh, uh, as the brother of someone. He would have said that he was the apostle. He was the disciple. He would have said that. But this Jude said that he was the servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James. Now you say, preacher, who do you think that he was? Can I show you something tonight? I, I hope you get this, and uh, I hope it'll be a help to you. Uh, he must be the Jude that was mentioned in the Gospels. Can I read you some scripture? Don't turn with me tonight unless you just want to, but the book of Matthew, chapter number 13 and verse number 55. Now listen to what the Bible said. You don't have to turn if you don't want to, but I want you to notice what the Bible said. Now they're talking about Jesus here in this verse. Bible said is not let's read verse 53 just get some context and it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables he departed thence and when he was coming to his own country he taught them in their synagogue insomuch they were astonished and said whence hath this man this wisdom these mighty works what's verse 55 is not this the carpenter's son is not his mother called Mary now they're talking about Jesus and his brethren, or his brothers, James, what did he say? He was the brother of James. And Joseph, and Simeon, and what's that last word? And Judas. Can I submit to you tonight that the writer of the book of Jude is in fact the half-brother of the Savior. He's in fact Mary and Joseph's uh, biological son. In fact, I'll say this. You say, well, preacher, I just don't know about that. Uh, well, let me give you another reference. Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6 and verse number 3. Watch what your Bible said. 
Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, and Joseph of Judah, and Simon, are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. I submit to you tonight that the writer of the book of Jude is, in fact, Judas, the Lord's uh, uh, half-brother. You say, preacher, how do you know he's his half-brother? Because uh, Jesus had no earthly father. Isn't that right? Uh, So he was the half-brother of our Savior. Uh, Now, you say, preacher, what's important about that? Well, I I, want to show you something tonight. Now, notice this. Uh, I think in both those instances, uh, it's noted that Judah or, or Judas is the one is the son that was mentioned last. This suggests that he was in fact the youngest half brother to the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, you'll find that the Bible said that they were offended at him. His brethren did not believe him. Did you know that? While they walked on earth, they didn't see anything in him that was uh, any different anybody else. They never believed. It was not until, I don't have time to preach it all, though I'd love to, uh, but it was not until after the ascension uh, uh, that the Bible said that the Lord appeared to James, uh, and James was saved, and in my opinion, uh, uh, you don't have to agree with this, but in my opinion, Ronald, I believe that James uh, was an integral part of winning uh, his brothers and sisters, which were the half-brothers and sisters of our Savior. So uh, I believe we can agree tonight, I I hope we can, uh, that Jude, here that wrote this epistle, uh, is the half-brother of our Savior. Now, you say, preacher, is that important? I believe it is. Because I want you to show, I want to show you something tonight. Not only do I want you to see uh, tonight the, uh, the salutation, but I want you to notice with me the servant. Now notice what he said. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ. Now I got to pondering on that this, afternoon, this morning, and I thought, now if that had been me, if I'd have been the one writing, Leona, I tell you what I'd have put. I'd have put Jude, the sibling. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want everybody to know that I knew him before anybody else did. I don't want everybody to know that I was there before anybody else was. I don't want everybody to know that I was his flesh and blood half brother. That's what I don't want everybody to know. But Jude didn't say that. In fact, that's the reason there's so much speculation about it. Most people agree that it's probably the half-brother of Jesus that wrote the epistle, but because he said a servant instead of a sibling, they think surely it's not him. But can I show you something the Lord showed me? I about had a spell down there in my office. Watch this now. He said a servant of Jesus Christ. Now, that's important tonight. Notice he didn't describe himself as a half-brother to the Savior, but rather as the servant of Jesus Christ. Now, you say, preacher, why did he do that? Well, see, there's been a lot transpired since the last time he looked at himself as a sibling. See, you know, you say, preacher, what's happened? Well, Jesus has died. He's watched him, Ronald. There wasn't any of the apostles, uh, any of the disciples there except for John at Calvary. But uh, the Bible said his mother and his brethren were there. And uh, Jude's watched him as he died on Calvary. Uh, he's watched Leon as they took him and laid his body uh, in a borrowed tomb. Uh, he's watched as he rose again. Had a sinner in the heaven. Uh, he's seen. Oh, I'm about to come slap on the hood. He's seen as on the day of Pentecost that uh, he sent back the comforter just like he said he would. Uh, and they begin to call and woo and win a bride. And the church begin to form. He saw the great works that were being done. He'd seen all of that. You know what he realized, surely? 
He wasn't interested in bragging tonight about his physical relationship on his mother's side. He realized what really mattered was a spiritual relationship on Jesus' father's side. What about that? See, being an earthly brother didn't mean much. But being, y'all got to help me. Being an earthly brother, he was just a half-brother. His father was not the same one. But see, now he was a full brother. That right? He actually had a closer relationship with him spiritually than he did physically. Did you know that? You say, oh, I don't know about that. The Bible said we're adopted into the family of God. We become children of God. Head of children, heirs, and joint heirs with Christ. Isn't that right? Uh, he became a closer brother spiritually uh, through the father than he did a physical brother, uh, uh, just a half-brother through Mary. Now you say, preacher, what are you saying? Notice this with me tonight. Jesus himself had addressed this issue. Did you know that? Jesus had even addressed uh, as far as that physical relationship. Now turn with me if you would. Hold your places there in the book of Jude. Turn with me if you would to the book of Matthew real quick. Matthew chapter 12. I want you to notice this tonight. Matthew chapter number 12. Now I'm just trying to lay a foundation tonight so we see a little bit about what we're dealing with here in the book of Jude. Matthew chapter number 12. Let's begin reading if you would in verse 46. Bible said while he yet talked to the people, and he's talking about Jesus, while Jesus yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without desiring to speak with him. Now get the picture. Jesus is standing here talking. He, he's standing here talking to the people. And the Bible said that his mother and his brethren stood without desiring to talk with him. They're standing outside watching him talk to everybody else, thinking, why didn't he come talk to me? We want to talk to him. Verse 47, Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without desiring to speak with thee. So they somebody realized this, and they come up and say, Lord, I, I hate to bother you, but your mama and your brothers are standing right over yonder, and they want to talk to you. Now notice what Jesus said. It's interesting. But he answered and said unto him that told him, Who is my mother? And who are my brethren? What about that? Now there Mary is, and there his brothers are, standing right there waiting to talk to him. And they come to him and said, now, now remember, he's God. Remember that? I mean, he's God. In the, of course, he, he didn't have, a, he didn't have a, a brain lapse for a moment. Not know who, no, it wasn't that. He, he, he had a purpose. He was teaching a great truth right here in this text. Now watch verse 50. For whosoever shall do the will of my Father, which is in heaven... The same is my what? Brother and sister and mother. Let me show you what he's saying. Now listen to me. Jesus said they've got no, this, the Roman Catholics hate this verse, by the way, because it debunks their whole theology. Jesus said they don't have any special incentives because Mary had no special, had no leg up Ronald because she was his earthly mother. She still had to come by Calvary just like you and I do. His brothers didn't have any leg up because they knew him before when he was just a little baby. They didn't have any leg up for that because they still had to come by Calvary just like you and I do. And Jesus said, who is my mother? Who is my brethren? It's those that do the will of my Father which are in 
heaven. Isn't that right? Can you imagine, now listen to me tonight, can you imagine, can you imagine old Jude standing there waiting in line, waiting to hear that, I mean waiting to talk to him. The Bible's already said he didn't believe him, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't believe on him, he didn't follow him before after the resurrection. Uh, and so here he is standing there and he hears Jesus stand up and look around and say, who are my bro- who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he goes on to say, it's the ones that do the will of my father, which art in heaven. They're my mother, they're my sister, and they're my brothers. Wonder tonight if when Jude penned down his epistle, if he remembered the Lord saying that, surely he said it's not important that I'm his sibling. I just want to be a servant. Y'all want to help him, man. Wonder if y'all, what if he realized, Chris, and he said, it's not important that I was his sibling. It's not important I'm his half-brother. It's not important what happened on mama's side. I'm just glad that I'm his servant. I'm just glad that he lets me do something for him. I'm just glad that he lets me live for him. I'm just glad he allows me to do something uh, as vile and wretched as I am. I'm just a servant uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. What about that? Isn't that good? That may not help you, but that helps me. Uh, aren't you glad tonight that the brother uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ still had to come by Calvary? Uh, that's exactly right. Uh, and if he was humble just to be a servant, I uh, wonder how much more you and I are to be humble just to be a servant. Uh, that's exactly right. If he was humble uh, just to be a servant of the Lord, how much more should you and I be humble by the fact, as vile and wretched as we are, uh, that we've been grafted in, uh, we've been adopted in the family of God, uh, that we're able to serve the Lord tonight. So we see the salutation. We see the uh, the servant. Now let me, let me say this real quick about the servant one more time. He realized that what mattered now was not the natural relationship to Jesus, but rather the spiritual relationship to the Savior through his Father. What about that? Now notice this. Notice women, not only the salutation of the servant. Notice women, the Savior. Notice what he said. Now this is interesting to me. The Bible said Jude the servant of, now notice these next two words, Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if you realize this tonight or not, but most, most of Paul's epistles, Paul flips that. He says, Christ Jesus. Not always, but the majority of the time, Rod, you'll find that Paul said, Christ Jesus. But Jude said, Jesus Christ. Now, that's one of those things we're not careful We'll jump right over and run right past without stopping to realize that nothing is put in your Bible by accident. Did you know that? That's not just, and it's not just, Chris, it's not just that it was different men said things different ways, but it was inspired of the Holy Ghost. There's a reason that Jude said Jesus Christ instead of Christ Jesus. Can I explain it to you real quick? Christ is his heavenly name, isn't that right? That shows him as God. That shows him as uh, that shows him as Emmanuel, God among us. That shows him as the God Man. Jesus shows his flesh. The name Jesus shows his uh, his earthly name. Uh, while Jesus shows him as a man, Christ portrays him as God. Jesus is his earthly name, while Christ is his heavenly. When he's referred to as Christ Jesus. It shows him as God that humbled himself as man. Isn't that right? 
It shows him as God first that became man. Y'all got to help me just a little bit. It showed him as God that became man. Shows him as the exalted one that abased himself, took on a robe of flesh, and become man. Isn't that right? Now watch this. But that's not what Jude said. Jude said Jesus Christ. You know what it shows? It shows he who was once man. He who was once humbled. He who was God and humbled himself is now, I'm about to come slap on the is now exalted again. What about that? See, it said Christ Jesus, that means he was God that become man. But I'm glad that's not the end of the story. I'm glad that Christ Jesus became Jesus Christ. He was God that humbled himself. But I'm glad, thank God, he's not wearing a robe of flesh now. I'm glad, thank God. Somebody help me. I'm glad he's not humbled now. But he is exalted as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is ascended back into heaven, sitting on the right hand of God the Father, waiting to come back and rapture his bride. So there is significance tonight, and he shows us great insight into the Savior. He's telling us tonight that it shows him as God that humbled himself as man, but now is exalted, the one which once humbled himself, but now is exalted. Jude is reminding us that God humbled himself to take on a robe of flesh, die for our sins, be buried, but that is not the end of the story. He has sent it back into heaven is sitting on the right hand of God the Father. Hey, you say, preacher, I just don't know about all that. Look at it yourself. He didn't say Christ Jesus. He said Jesus Christ. He's reminding us that he is not in a tomb. He's reminding us he is no longer the carpenter's son. Now remember who he is. Now remember, Ronald, he's not just anybody. He was a carpenter's son as well. In fact, he grew up in the same home that Jesus did. But he said he's not there anymore. He's not with mom and He's not hanging on a cross. He's not in a tomb. He's not walking by the Sea of Galilee. He's not in Capernaum anymore. He's not in Bethany. But thank God, thank God, thank God. He who was once humbled is now exalted again. He is risen. And he'll be God forevermore. Isn't that right? My, my, my. There's a lot in Jude. In case you're not telling, Jude is a rich, rich book. I mean, there's a lot in the book of Jude. But that's not all that he said. Notice this. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. Now watch who he's writing to. We've talked a little bit about who Jude is. Now watch who he's writing to. To them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Now I've got one more point I won't give you, but it's a long one, all right? I may not get through all of it. I will quit at 10 after 8, I promise. Give me that long and I'll quit whether I'm done or not. Now listen to me. He's talking to the saints. He's talking to those that have been saved by the grace of God. Now, I'm not going to hit much of it. I want to, and I've got notes to cover all of it. But I'm just going to give you one quickly, and then I'm going to dig into one in just a minute. There's, there's two different lessons he's teaching us in the latter part of verse 1. Now, watch what the Bible says. I'm going to give you one quickly, then I'm going to dig into one. To them that are sanctified, notice this next word, by God the Father. And are preserved in, notice this next word, Jesus Christ. And called. Now you and I, 
realize tonight, saved by the grace of God, we realize the ministry of the Holy Ghost. We realize it was the Holy Ghost that come by wherever you was, whatever time it may have been, that come by and wooed and warned and convicted your heart, showed you you as a sinner, and brought you to a place of repentance. That was the job of the Holy Ghost. So we realized it was the Holy Ghost that called us. Isn't that right? Not only would we say the picture of the Holy Ghost, but watch what he said. Go up. We're doing it backwards. Go up a little bit. We're called by the Holy Ghost. Then it said we're preserved in, what it say? Jesus Christ. So what about the fact that not only are we called by the Holy Ghost, but then he tells us we're preserved in Jesus Christ. So we've got God the, God the Holy Ghost, God the Son. Then he said that we're sanctified by God the Father. There's so much in verse 1. You could spend three weeks preaching on it and never get it done. I've been honest with you. That, do you realize he, he's covering so much doctrine in one verse already that it's almost unreal. He's already gave us the doctrine wrong of the Trinity and told us what it is that they do. It's God the Father that sanctifies us. It's God the Son that preserves us, and it's God the Holy Ghost that calls us unto himself. What about that? I mean, there's a lot in verse 1. I know y'all looked at me funny when I said I was just going, if I get through verse 1, I'd be happy, but there's a lot in it tonight, and we've not even scratched the surface yet. Uh, so we see the Trinity uh, here in verse number 1. No, we the Trinity, but he gives us the responsibility or the duties of each part of the Godhead. Now watch this. I want to take those phrases and break them down tonight. The Bible said, verse number 1, to them that are sanctified by God the Father. That word sanctified, now I'm going to talk about the saints just a little bit. This applies to every saved, born again child of God. That word sanctified carries the idea of being set apart for God. Being made holy or being made like God. It tells us that as believers, we are to be separated from evil ways. The night that we got saved, or the day we got saved, the time that we got saved, now notice what it didn't say. It, it didn't say that we had to separate ourselves or sanctify ourselves in order to be saved. Isn't that right? Now help me just a minute here. It didn't say we had to sanctify ourselves in order to be saved. But it said that we, notice what your Bible said. I'm not taking it out of context. I'm reading it just like it is. That are sanctified by God the Father. Now, can I show you something? He didn't say you, Brother Chris, he didn't say you had to clean yourself up and sanctify yourself and pull yourself apart from the God. He didn't say you had to cleanse yourself. He didn't say that you had to be holy yourself. He didn't say that you had to be like God yourself. But that's what sanctification means. But it said who are sanctified by God the Father. Now, do you know what that means? Now, I hope this will help you. This means the night that you got saved, or the day that you got saved, or the hour that you got saved, God the Father himself sets you apart unto himself. He consecrated you unto himself. God the Father himself, surely, that whatever time you got saved, God the Father made you Holy. What about that? What was the third part of that definition? That's the one I like. To be made like God. What about the fact the night you got saved, the day you got saved, whenever it was, God the Father himself made you like him. 
What about that? Now, can I show you something? There's, there's something to this. Now, we were made, we were, we were sanctified by God. But sanctification is not working to be holy. It's not a struggle, Brother Chris, to stay holy. But you know what sanctification really is? Now, I hope you get this because this is important. Sanctification is not something we struggle for or to strive for, but rather is something that we submit to. You realize that? Bibles, we didn't make ourselves holy, and we can't make ourselves holy. Now, I know I'm bothering, I want to tell you a story. I was listening to a podcast yesterday. Blew my mind. They was talking, uh, I was talking to Jessica, one, uh, Brother Andy Wells, a preacher down, at, down in the lower part of North Carolina. He was, talking about how, he was talking about rearing children, biblically. And he was talking about corporal punishment and all that. I, I'm going to spare you the details of the long story. But he said he would always hand his children a knife. And he'd say, go out to the tree, cut you off a switch, and bring it back. And he said every time, Shirley, he'd say, now don't come back with nothing too small because you don't want me to go get your switch. And he said, without fail, every had five kids. Without fail, Leon, he said, every one of them would come back with just a great old big, I mean, just huge stick one day. And he said, I warned them to do that. And he said, when I did, when they did, he said, I'd take that stick and I'd say, son, or what, whoever it was, he'd say, son, I wouldn't whoop you with that. That would hurt too bad. That would be too severe. I know I told you not to get nothing too small, but I'd never whip you with that. Go back out there and get another switch. And what he was saying was, what he was doing through that, he was showing that with judgment also comes mercy. Do you realize now that's what child rearing is? It's rearing your children to the place that when God begins to deal with them, they understand that there are consequences to their actions. But it is our job also to teach them that with God's judgment comes mercy. And he said he had one child, Ron, that's what I want to tell you. So he had one child out of all of them that was just so stubborn. I mean, just, I guess he's about like one of mine sitting right charter, but he's just so stubborn. He said, I mean, it'd just be over and over again. Uh, they'd get to the place that they had, they had, to, they had to, uh, uh, they had to discipline this child. And he said, just over and over again. He said he was so struggling with that and he was so aggravated and he's about to pull his hair out of his head. And he said that one day, He's praying about that, and the Lord showed him something. And he says the fourth time that they had this same thing happen, he's going to have to whip his child for. So he'd come in, he'd hand him the knife, and he said, Son, I want you to go out yonder. I want you to cut you a limb. Don't cut nothing too small. You, we've been here before. When you come back, we're going to talk about it, and you're going to get a whooping. So said so the little boy went out there, and he cut the limb off, and he came back. And he said when he left, he said, The Holy Ghost just come by. I'm going to speak to my heart. And he said when he came back, he said, I looked at him and I said, son, why are we here again? He said, the little boy started crying. I said, daddy, I don't know. I've done everything I can. I, I've tried not to do it anymore. But daddy, I just don't know. I'm sorry, daddy. I shouldn't have done it. I've tried to fix it. I've tried not to do it. I don't know why we keep going back here again. He said, the daddy looked at him and said, son, this is the fourth time that we've been here. What are we going to do now? I don't know, Daddy, I'm sorry, I, I know I shouldn't do it, I, I just can't help it, I just, I, Daddy, I'm sorry I shouldn't have done it. So that day looked at him and said, Son, you've tried three times to pay for your own mess up, and it's not worked yet. Three times you've tried to fix it yourself, and it hadn't worked yet, has it? So the little boy looked up and said, Daddy, it, 
It's not worked. I've tried. I did. I promise. I'm trying, but I cannot fix it. So that daddy looked at me and said, "Son, hold out your hand." That boy said, "No, daddy, please don't. Please don't whoop my hand, daddy. Please, that'll hurt. Please, daddy, don't do that. You've said you'd never whoop me anywhere but my hand. Please don't do that." Then he said, "Son, I'm not going to whoop you. Hold out your hand." Said he whooped. The little boy held out his hand. So that daddy took that switch and put it in his hand. Said, son, you've tried three times to pay for it yourself, and it ain't worked yet. It's pretty obvious you can't fix it. So I'll tell you what's going to happen. Your father's going to pay for your sins today. So that little boy said, what do you mean? He said, I'm going to lay down across the bed, and I want you to take that switch and give me five good licks. That little boy said, Daddy, I can't do that. You didn't do anything wrong. It was me. And that daddy said, you ain't got no, you ain't got no excuse. There's no way out of it. That's what's going to happen. You've tried it yourself and you cannot fix it. Your father is taking your punishment for you. So he laid down across that bed, that boy trembling, crying, giving five licks. He said, before I could get up, that boy fell on me. And he said, I looked at him and I said, son. He said, Daddy, why did you do that? And he said, because that's exactly what God did for me. He said, when I couldn't fix it myself, when I couldn't pay for it myself, when I couldn't clean up myself, He took my punishment. He took my, He, he took the consequences of my action. Now, He said, He got to talk to that young man. He said, It's just a couple weeks later. God, I'm not telling you you have to do that, but I'm just telling you, I'm giving you an example. He said, It's just a couple weeks later. He said, That little boy got saved, and they never dealt with that issue again. He said, Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. We couldn't have cleaned ourselves up to get saved. We can't keep ourselves clean, and we can't keep ourselves clean now. That's just exactly right. I didn't pay my own sin debt to get saved. He paid it for me. But you know what it is tonight? You and I are sinners. We're, for all that sin to come short of the glory of God. Sanctification, being sanctified, is not something tonight that we strive for. There's so many that get so burnt out and they get so upset because they feel like they're trying to meet standards that they cannot meet. It's not something you work for. It's not something you strive for. It's something you submit yourself to. Isn't that right? God's already sanctified you. All you've got to do is get to the place where you say, Lord, here I am. I'm submitting myself to what you've already made me. Isn't that right? He's whether you're, If you've been saved tonight, you've already been sanctified by God the Father. The question is whether or not you've submitted yourself to it. You've already been made like God. You've already been set apart for the use of God. You've already been made holy. The question is whether or not you've submitted yourself to it. That's what happens to, to Christians. I, I've heard people say, well... Uh, if they go out and do this, they've never been saved. Now, I, I know there's some that say they get saved that never did get saved. I realize that. But there's some that just never submit themselves to the authority of the will of God. They never just say, Lord, here's my life. I'm submitting myself to you. If you're saying I ought not wear that, I'll not wear it. That's not... What happens is we try to put standards on people and we try, preachers especially try to put standards and put these ideas that nobody can live up to. What you ought to do is just submit yourself to God and submit yourself to his word and say, Lord, if you'll show me, if you'll show me in my heart, if you'll show me in your word what I should and should not be doing, I'll submit myself to you. You've already been made sanctified. 
You've just got to submit yourself to it. You don't need somebody to set standards for you. God's already done that. It's not something to be to stress over. It's not something to strive for. It's already been done tonight. Watch this. So it's whether or not we submit to it. Not only are we sanctified, but I want you to see this. We're secured. I say, preacher, what do you mean? Bible said, and preserved in Jesus Christ. One of the greatest truths. I've got to hurry because I told you I was going to quit at 10 after 8. One of the greatest truths that is contained within the New Testament is the truth that the believer is placed in Christ. We've talked about that before. Jude tells us something different. He tells us that we are preserved in Jesus Christ. In other words, we are kept in Christ. Isn't that right? That's what a lot of you are doing right now. Things are coming in in your garden. You're getting a harvest of what you sowed. And uh, you'll preserve that. You'll freeze it as a way of preserving it. You'll can it as a way of preserving it. It's keeping it. It's making it stay. You know tonight if you went out and strung and broke green beans, it wouldn't be long. They'd be rotted. But you can string and break them and put them in, the jar, in a mason jar and uh, add all that good stuff into it and seal that jar, and it preserves it. Two years from now, you can go open up that can of green beans. Y'all got to hit me just a little bit. And it's, it's just as good as the day that it went in. Do you realize tonight, there's been a lot, I got saved as a seven-year-old boy. There's been a lot of water under the bridge. Ron, I've done far greater sin since I got saved than I ever did before I got saved. As a seven-year-old boy, I had never cussed. I had never, I had never done a lot of these things. But I've done far worse since I've been saved than I ever did before I got saved. But the Bible said we're preserved in Jesus Christ. You know what that means? That means my inward man is the same today as he was 20 years ago. It's not deteriorated one bit. Uh, uh, there's not one smudge. There's not one. Oh, y'all got to hit me just a little bit. Uh, uh, while I know I'm sinful, while I know I fall short day to day, while I know all the sin comes short of the glory of God, there is none righteous, no, not one. Uh, we know that tonight. Uh, while I understand that, but I have been preserved. Uh, God the Father sanctified me uh, and made me holy and made me clean uh, and made me pure and then he put me in Christ uh, and he preserves me uh, and I've not changed uh, in the last 20 years and if the Lord tells us coming another 20 I'll be just as right and just as pure and just as sanctified then on my inward man because I didn't clean myself up God did uh, I'm not keeping myself clean Jesus is uh, I was placed in Christ uh, and I'm preserved in him I'm kept in Christ. Now what about that? Now I don't know tonight. I'm going to say something a little bit mean, but I ain't got time to cover it real delicately. I don't know what this crowd doesn't believe in eternal security does with that, but when you preserve, that means you're kept. Uh, that means you're kept the same. Uh, that means that you're the, ain't that right? You pull them green beans out two, three, four years later, they're the same. I'm about to come slap on good. They're the same as the day that they've put in the jar. You know why? Because they've been sealed. The Bible said whereby you're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Uh, and until that day the seal broke. My soul is secure and preserved in the Lord Jesus Christ. That may not be helping you, but I'm about to have a spell. I say thank God that I'm preserved in Jesus Christ tonight. Say, so preacher, what else are we in Jesus Christ? Let me give it to you quickly. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. The Bible said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, He's a new creature. Old things are passed away, but all things are become new. Romans 8, 1, one of my favorite verses. There is therefore now 
No condemnation of them which are what? In Christ Jesus. See, there's Paul saying it again. They that are in Christ Jesus. James, uh, Jude said Jesus Christ. Paul said Christ Jesus. Who won't run after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You say, preacher, what are you saying? When I was put in Christ, I became a new creature. Uh, and Jesus preserved me as that new creature. And because of that, there's therefore now no condemnation uh, to them who believe. Thank God you say, preacher, how? come because I'm preserved in Christ. The picture tonight's just like Noah when he got in the ark. The ark was a picture of Christ. The flood was a picture of the judgment of God. Noah will come out the same way he went in because he was preserved and kept inside the ark. Isn't that right? You know what happened? I was in Christ when he hung on Calvary while the ju- I'm about to come slap on glue. while the judgment of God rained down on him. I was kept safe and secure in Christ. Christ. Aren't you glad tonight that we're in Him? Thank God. God the Father sanctified us. We're, we're sanctified. We're secured by pres- the pres- preservation in Christ Jesus. Not only that, let me say this. I've got to hurry. I've got to go so fast. Not only that, I want to say this. We are selected. Every single child of God is selected of God. Did you know that? I've got three minutes. Let me give them to you real quick. I've got three point, three subpoints I want to give you. That's a minute a point. I can do it. Watch this. Bible said that we and are in call. Not only was we sanctified by God, uh, preserved by Jesus in Jesus Christ, but we're also called. Those three things that Paul said about that calling, I'm gonna give them to you real quick, and I'm done. Philippians 3.14, he said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You realize not every single boy, woman, man, man, woman, boy, and girl was called with a high calling. Y'all got to help me just a little bit. You realize tonight they may call on you to do a lot of things, but there's nothing compares to the calling of God unto salvation. Paul said it is a high calling. He said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, not only did he say it was a high calling, he said it was a holy calling. Uh, in 2 Timothy 1.9, the Bible said this, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, uh, which was given us in Christ Jesus uh, before the world began. What about that? Paul just said something else we got in Christ. He said, but according to his own purpose and grace, uh, which was given us in Christ Jesus, Jesus before the world began. Before God ever spoke anything into existence, He'd already put grace inside and in Jesus Christ. Before the foundations of time, the council of God had already met and determined He would go to Calvary. There was already grace. And when He put me in Jesus, He put me in grace. What about that? And the Bible said that it was with a holy calling that we were called. There's a high calling. Uh, there's a holy calling then I want to say this Paul said there's a heavenly calling in Hebrews chapter 3 uh, verse number 1 the Bible said wherefore holy brethren uh, uh, partakers of the heavenly calling uh, uh, consider the apostle and high priest of high profession uh, Christ Jesus what about that can I show you something real quick uh, it was a high calling the night I got saved I was as low as I could go but aren't you glad there was a high calling that brought me out uh, the muck and the mire and the slime 
up. I, oh, brought me out of the deep married pit. I set my feet upon a rock. I, established my goals, put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto the king. I, I thank God for a high calling. I, I, then there was a holy calling. I, he called me out of the muck and the mire where I was. I, and Leona showed me there was a better life. I, I, that there was a better way. I, it was a holy calling. I, and then I'm glad, thank God, I, it's not the only one I'll ever hear. I, but it was a heavenly calling. I, I sinking deep in the, in the bondage of sin. I, aren't you glad on my way to hell I, I, that God, oh my soul, I, I, there was a heavenly calling. I, I, that said you don't have to die and go to hell. I, I, there is a better way. I, I, there is a better land. I, I, the price has already been paid. I, hey, can I just stop by and say this real quick and I'm done. I, I, listen, that's not the only one I'll ever hear. I, the Bible said that one day I, I, with the voice of God, the, tr- the trump of God and the voice of the archangel, I, I, that the trumpet will sound I, and there'll be another heavenly calling. I, I, when he calls, he is bride home. I, and the Bible said they that are dead in Christ, they that are dead I, shall rise up first. I, I, then those that are alive and remain shall be caught up together in the air and to be with the Lord and so shall we ever be. Aren't you glad, thank God, no matter how deep and dark it may seem right now, no matter how bad it may seem, no matter how ill, no matter how dark these days are, aren't you glad there's a heavenly calling and there is a better day, thank God. Let's stand to our feet. Get the musicians come. Get a song of invitation.